Okay, look, that's good. All right, so good morning, everybody. Uh, nice to see everyone again. Um, let's have a look at a what a well-known um, piece of uh, of midrash, which um, opens our parsha that we read last week, parsha Vayera. We discuss uh, quite a well-known uh, comment over here, and hopefully you can see the screen in front of you. Uh, where the Torah tells us of the famous story of the visit to Avram Avinu post his uh, Brit Milah by the, by the three angels. And um, these three, these three uh, angels take the form of human beings. And uh, this is what the Pasuk, you can see the opening verse here, that Hashem appears to Avram Avinu in this uh, particular place called Elonai Mamrei. And he's sitting out there recuperating, uh, and it's really, really hot. And um, Rashi explains to us, based on the Gemara, that Hashem was trying to um, do Avram Avinu a favor in a way. Creating such a hot day would then uh, discourage visitors from venturing outside, and he wouldn't have to. He wouldn't then have to um, spend. A, you know, he wouldn't have to spend a time on visitors. He could just he could just recover. To Avram Avinu, this was a little bit of a uh, a so-called sting in the tail because he was so he was so committed to um, he was so committed to hosting people that to him not being able to do so uh, was was actually a, a more of an issue for him. And so he um, eventually Hashem sends him these three these three angels. So what do we see? He he, he, uh, he gazes forward, he looks up, and he sees three people um, in front in front of him. So the Pasuk tells us he now goes and chases them down and uh, brings them into his home and uh, and and uh, and shows hospitality to all of them. Now the the the, the detail that I want to focus on just to show you some really interesting insight here is the fact that there were three people three angels what do we need three angels for what did Hashem really have in mind with the three angels one should have been enough so Rashi quotes it here just uh, highlighted here um, so you can see here in verse Pasuk 2 there were three men why three so says Rashi, Rashi is quoting a Midrash here, one Malach's task was to bring the good tidings to Sarah that she'd have a, a child, a son, uh, a year from now. And the second Malach, he was charged with destroying Sodom. And the third Malach was charged with um, healing, healing Abraham from his Brit. And why, you, why do you need three? So yeah, Rashi quotes a very interesting concept here. You know, you, you have one malach, one task. You can't double up on the task. There's no such thing as a, a malach multitasking. For one angel does not perform uh, two missions. And uh, this concept needs to be explained a little, but on a basic level, what's happening is, is that the concept of an angel really is a it's, a, it's a force of spiritual energy representing Hashem's will. Um, 
and each angel therefore represents a particular program um, that it has to perform and there can be a certain um, there can be a certain latitude in what the angel does but it's quite it's it's quite circumscribed because each let's say particular concept that emanates from Hashem is specifically defined so if an angel represents a spiritual concept that concept is uh, working with it in its own parameters and therefore you can't have this multitask multitask means that you've got one person who can do one or two or three different things each angel has its it represents a particular um uh, bite of information coming out of hashem and therefore each concept is its own concept so therefore each one of these angels had to do a, sp a specific job so now looking at the grammar in the in the Sukim going forward, Rashi sort of wants to prove this point. And he says as follows, you should know this concept of one angel doing only one task is um, can be extracted from the actual way the Sukim, the actual way that the verses read. Uh, because when the entire passage and mentions the angels, Yoson Rabim in the plural form. They came in and they ate. They spoke to Avinu. And when handing over the um, message that Sarah would only ha would have a child in a year's time, that changes from the plural to the singular. Vayomer, as if one malach can only do one task. Um, and they came to Sodom as well. You know, the malach talks in the singular. Um, and uh, and this is how Rashi sort of interprets from the verse. It supports this particular theory. Um, yes, and then he quotes the last uh, act there, the destruction of Sodom, um, as as something interesting here because there's uh, there's there's three malachim going to do three different jobs to heal Avram Avinu, you know, to give Sarah. The, the news about the baby and to destroy Sodom. But at uh, at closer glance, you'll see that there's something else happening as well. Rashi brings us here. Raphael, who came to cure Avram Avinu, Halach Misham, he went from there, Latzilet Lot, to actually save Lot. And therefore, this is why the the, the grammar goes from the singular to the plural when it says, and it was when the angels, two angels, took out Lot and his daughters from there. Um, so you see that all of a sudden they get back to the plural when they uh, were dealing with Sodom. Um, and Rashi explains that uh, one of the angels, in this case Raphael, he doubled up, almost contradicting this idea that there's going to be only one malach for one task. Yeah, you see that there was three malachim for four tasks. Saving Lot was the fourth task. And so the question now is, you know, what, what do we do with that? The, the rule said one angel, one task. And yeah, you've got one angel doubling up. So Rashi's pointing out over here that really Raphael, he came to heal Abraham. That's true. But as part of the greater picture of healing Avram Avinu, he actually saves Lot. Somehow, 
saving Lot and curing Avram Avinu are a part and parcel of the same mission. And this is what he's trying to explain over here, that in, even though the, in principle, one malach, one task, but sometimes there's a certain amount of, of, of latitude given in one task. Uh, and we have to understand exactly what that, uh, you know, what that means. What, is it, what does it mean uh, that you can have a bit of latitude within, within the task? So before we uh, identify exactly how that works, let's, let's go to a Gemara. Here's a Gemara Masechet Bama which has its own comment. The one we just saw in Rashi was Rashi quoting a Midrash. Yeah, we uh, we see a um, we we see the Gemara, and that you'll see the Gemara has the same question. The Gemara says, "Yeah, Ma Ninu, who were these three people?" So the Gemara says, "Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael." Michael Sarah. Michael was the one who came along to relay the good news to Sarah that she'll have a child. Raphael Shebal Rapet Abraham. Raphael, as his name suggests, came to cure Abraham. And Gabriel, Azal and Gabriel went to overturn Sodom. Uh, the root strength of, or uh, the core strength of the Malach Gabriel is Aish, is fire. He came to destroy Sodom. So the Gemara then says, but in a later verse, it's written, you know, is in the plural, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. But you said, uh, you know, we're working with the principle that one malach, one task. So the Gemara says, the Azal Michael Ba'adei. Michael was the angel who doubled up on his task. And he accompanied Gabriel when he went, when, when he went to, Sodom, to destroy Sodom. What did Michael do? He went to Shezvail a lot. He went to save Lot. Um. And this is how the Gemara interprets that uh, even though it's true, one angel, one task, but yeah, there's a task that's somehow related um, to, to Michael's giving Sarah the news that she should have a child. Somehow, Michael then was able to go and, and, and double up. So what you have over here is as follows. You have, a, you have actually a, uh, an argument, a contradiction. Uh, you have two different opinions over here. We got the Midrash and we've got the Gemara, and they argue as to who doubled up on their particular uh, charge. So here I'm just showing you the notes that are in the art scroll Gemara. So you see as follows that, um, yeah, in note 43, the general rule is that one angel is not given two different missions. It's somewhat puzzling then how Michael was assigned both the heralding of the good news and the escape of Lot. These are Rashi's grandchildren, the Tosfot, who make this particular comment. So the Tosfot suggests that one angel is not charged with two missions in one place. So when Michael goes to Sodom, it's like he was recharged with another mission. The Maharal gives us something uh, a bit deeper where he says that this rule that there's only that one malach does one task, you have to appreciate that there are three types of tasks, three categories of tasks that Hashem charges angels with. One is a task which is entirely beneficial. In other words, the, the act of chesed. And then there's one which is 
uh, of din, which is exacting of retribution. And there's a third category of task, which is to maintain the status quo in the natural order of the, of the world. And Malachim are given the latitude to do um, different types of chesed under one umbrella called chesed. So they can have different types of tasks, but they can, it's got to be under one, under one umbrella. So that's how the Maharal wants to explain. So based on the Maharal, he then says as follows, that um, the rule merely means that an angel may not be given more than one kind of mission, but it may be given two or more missions of the same kind. So Michael was sent for two entirely beneficial tasks, to inform Sarah that she'd have a child and to uh, rescue Lot from Sodom. So it was chesed to Sarah and chesed to, to Lot. Um, therefore, it's really, he can do two tasks because they have the same type of task. Gabriel was going to punish Sodom and Raphael was sent to heal Abraham. And those were the two different types of tasks. So Michael was chesed, um, Raphael was, uh, was to maintain and keep the, the natural course of events. And Gabriel was uh, Gevura. So yeah, you see in the notes of the Gemara, it should be noted that Rashi to uh, our Parsha and Vayera, uh, following the Midrash, uh, you know, follows that Midrash rather than our Gemara. And he states that Raphael, not Michael, went on to save Lot. Healing Abraham and saving Lot apparently constituted a single mission because both were for the sake of, of rescue. So what, what, what do we have here at this point? We basically have a, uh, an argument between the two uh, sources here as to who actually came along to do the, who doubled up on the task. So Rashi quoted the Midrash saying, Raphael cured Avraham Avinu and then he went to save Lot. Somehow they are connected. And um, and the Gemara came along and said that Michael, Michael came along and gave Sarah the news. And so when uh, when he gave Sarah the news, that that has connection somehow with uh, him going to uh, re, you know rescue rescue Lot. So our job now is to try and you know work work this out a little bit to try and appreciate you know why these uh, tasks are, are are very are very similar. So what we uh, what I'm going to share with you is a is a wonderful idea um, that I heard many years ago in yeshiva from a rabbi uh, Rabbi Shlomo Fisher, who uh, was a famous dayan in Yerushalayim. He came for Shabbos to the yeshiva. His his his, his daughter, his son married his son married. Um, his daughter married a guy in the gush in the yeshiva that I was in, um, and uh, he came for Shabbos to visit his, his his daughter there. Anyway, so I heard him say over this uh, this particular idea, this chiddush. So he he asks about this, uh, you know, this this contradiction between the midrash and the Gemara, um, and he and he basically wanted to focus on trying to explain uh, explain the Gemara. Rashi. Uh, Rashi's idea um, that Raphael went to cure Abraham and then went on to save Lot. There, um, there are a number of commentaries who deal with this. And um, the, the one that deals with it 
uh, it's a more straightforward uh, opinion, the one of Rashi, um, because um, this idea of healing Avram Avinu, the way to heal somebody is to take into account not just the physical issue, but the psychosomatic issues that surround somebody. So if you want to heal somebody, the environment in which they are placed is, is important. And encouraging people, visiting the sick, etc., um, is part of the healing process. So one of the Khatam Sofer's uh, comments was as follows, that saving Abraham from danger uh, included saving Lot from danger. Because if Avram Avinu was so invested in the safety of his family, and he would hear that Lot's in danger, psychologically it, it would put him, make him really worry. So uh, Avraham possibly would have a relapse if he heard that his, his nephew Lot was in danger. And therefore part of curing Avraham is making sure that good news hits him, uh, especially that of, of, of the, the well-being of, of his family. So in a way, that's how, that's how a number of Mephoshim point out that the, cure, the, the rescue of Lot sort of played a part in the, in the well-being of Avraham Avinu as well. Uh, but the Gemara is a little harder to understand. The Gemara argued the point and said that Michael was the one who, uh, who doubled up on his mission. And the first tough kid, the first uh, job was to live Sarah Sarah to give Sarah the good news. And that seems to not have that much to do with saving Lot. So the question is, you know, how do we understand this? So listen to this really insightful comment that he had. He said, look, let's, let's question, uh, take, a, take a step back and question uh, the concept of Lot being saved in the first place. Now, Lot, as uh, you may know from last week, Cedra, this week, Cedra, it is always a really challenging scenario for Avram Avinu to deal with Lot because Lot, as the as the Torah proves, Lot is not hasn't really bought into he hasn't really bought into the program. In other words, Lot's kind of like on the periphery of becoming a monotheist. He's you know he, he he's not he's not uh, he's not he's not really uh, the frum kind of guy that Avram Avinu expected from him. So he was always kind of like uh, a burden to schlep along. Avram Avinu was, uh, you know, was always having to deal with a guy that's not really part and parcel of uh, of this whole new world order. And so Lot becomes this individual who eventually breaks from Avram Avinu and he, he demonstrates quite clearly what kind of person he is. He's much more into materialism uh, than he is into spiritual, spirituality. And so he goes off and he lives in Sodom. You don't live in Sodom. You know, if you're looking to find a Shia, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, you, you know, you're in Saddam for a reason. But um, he still had a connection to Avram Avinu. Um, but it's quite questionable to try and understand why was Lot saved from Saddam? I mean, he went to live there, he cast his ballot there. So why was he saved from, from, uh, from Saddam? So Rashi actually talks us through this particular uh, question. And he says as follows. Rashi says that when Abram and Sarah left Israel because of the famine, and they went down to Mitzrayim, they went down to Egypt. So when they got there, you know the story that the custom officials are charged by the king that they got to look out for any 
attractive lady because every beautiful person who comes by there, the king has first dibs on. And if the king wants to, he can help himself to whoever comes by into the, and they would, they would arrest um, beautiful women and bring them past the king, you know, for his scrutiny. Now, that's, that's one problem. How is Sarah going to deal? How is she going to be safe and not abused? The problem number two was, is that when the beautiful girl was accompanied by men, so if the girl was married, that became a problem because uh, it's not passionate for the for the melech to to to, to kidnap a, a married woman. Somehow there was a to take the woman in in general. You know that wasn't a hassle to them, but to to literally have to deal with a married woman, obviously that couldn't be too public. So that that two options: one, either let the woman go and let the couple be, or just kill the husband. Then she's single again, and then we can take her. So Avram Avinu was 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 really scared about that second option that they would kill him. So he came along and he he, he sort of um, spoke to Sarah about it, and he said, "Look, let's do what we can." From our side, and Hashem will do the rest. You know, we we let's try and play a bit Jewish over here. We'll we'll give a bit of a dray when they ask us. You know, what's our relationship? I'm going to say, look, you my sister. Um, and the truth is, is that Sarah is a kind of a sister, you know, to to Avram, a kind of a sister. Um, we'll show you exactly why this is true, but. That's what that's what that's what they were going to say. So hopefully, by Avram Avinu saying that Sarah is his sister, uh, he wouldn't be killed at least. Okay, Sarah would be taken, but there was no way of getting out of that. They'd have to rely on a miracle from Hashem, which actually, which which took place. Um. Anyway, when when they came down there, um. What happened was is that there's Avram, there's Sarah. And then there's Lot. Now, what did Lot do at that point when Abraham Avinu said that Sarah is my sister? What did, what did he do? So Rashi says as follows. Rashi says Lot actually did the best thing he could have done. He kept quiet. Lot knew the truth and didn't say anything. He didn't reveal what Abraham Avinu and Sarah had planned. And because he never blew the whistle on his family, he merited to be saved from Sodom. Now, at first glance, this is crazy. I mean, Lot's family, why would he, you'd really have to be, uh, why would he dob his family in? So, Rafisha explains as follows. He says, look, Lot, Lot is a very materialistic guy. Money means a lot to Lot. And what happens is, is that Lot was actually really challenged over here because after Abraham Avinu declared Sarai to be his sister, so what did these guys do? They took Sarah to Paro, but what they what they did was is that they rewarded, they put a lot of money into the brother to Abraham Avinu. They thought Abraham Avinu was Sarai's brother because ah, you know, if we if we treat the brother well, you know, so he won't make a fuss about the shidduch. We won't have to kill him. You know, you know, so let's let's sort of bribe whoever else is a relative, and let and let the let the girl be taken to the to the king. So 
Avram Avinu Achlot was in this interesting position. He has a guy who's totally materialistic. And uh, he's really challenged because uh, when he sees that Avram Avinu is rewarded with all this money, um, as a result of saying that Sarah is his sister, Lot is really tickled pink because he realizes that being Sarah's brother is incredibly lucrative. And, and this is the source of Lot's frustration because Lot is actually Sarah's brother. So he has Lot who's really Sarah's brother and he would have got a lot of money if he would have said, no, I'm the real brother. You know, because Lot and Sarah are both sons of Haran, who's Avram's brother. And Lot, by being quiet, by saying nothing, allows Avram Avinu to make an enormous profit by being the brother when he, Lot, is the real brother. So he had a certain tension within his personality because of who he was. He, you know, he loves wealth. It's so vital to his personality. And yet, yeah, he had to really work on himself not to, not to blow the whistle. Um, and uh, so it wasn't so simple for Lot. So maybe this is why Lot was, uh, you know, this act of so-called so self-sacrifice gave Lot a merit to be saved when Sodom was going to be destroyed. That's, that's, uh, that's one opinion. Other opinions are that Lot, Lot really in, in and of himself was nowhere near the level of, of a tzaddik that deserved to be saved. The only reason Lot was saved was because his family to Avram. And once his family to Avram Avinu, if Lot was destroyed, then Avram Avinu would really be impacted. And therefore his association with Avram Avinu saved him. But his own merit, he had no merit. There's one last opinion. Uh, and this is uh, the Rabbonim, the Chazal, come along and they tell us as follows. They say that Lot wasn't, didn't deserve to be saved. And even his connection to Avram Avinu in and of itself needs to be understood. But this is what uh, Chazal say in the Gemara. They say like this. Lot was saved not so much because of who Lot was, but rather because of what was going to come from Lot in the first place. As you know, the story, Sodom is destroyed. The place is nuked. The only people to survive Besides the angels that are schlepping uh, Lot and his daughters out of there, that's, that's the survival. The survival of Lot and his two daughters. The sons-in-law refused to come. They thought it was a joke. And then, anyway, they, the two daughters. Now the two daughters um, escape with Lot. They eventually land up in a cave in the mountain. And uh, the two daughters basically think to themselves, there's no other woman around. There's no other men around. They thought the whole world was destroyed. They made a mistake. But in their mistake, they said, okay, look, what can we do? We're thrown back to what it was like to be in the beginning of time where you had Adam and Chava having Cain and Hevel and they had sisters. And the only way to, to, uh, to have children is, to, is, is the kind of what we see today as incest. Early on, couldn't have been incest. That's the way they, that's, that's what happened. So brothers and sisters were able to, 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 to cohabit together and, and produce offspring. So they thought, okay, look, we're in a kind of a similar situation. The only man around is our father. We're the only girls. And therefore, we're going to have to engage in this level of incest. And so they get Lot drunk, and they each sleep with Lot one night after the other. 
from the older daughter who slept with Lot for uh, first, she got pregnant. And when the baby was born, she called the baby Moab. Uh, not very uh, modest about where he came from, not very shy about the whole scenario. He's Moab, he's from my father. That's that's where this boyke is from. And the second one was a little bit more circumspect about it. And she said, you know, he basically is going to bend I mean, we're going to call him Amon, you know. Um, and so the, this is how the line of Lot finds continuity by this type of incest that was motivated by the daughters uh, when they uh, thought the whole world was destroyed um, in the in the destruction of Sodom. Now, what happens is, is that from Lot comes Moab, the first daughter, the older one, and even though Moab does not exactly behave themselves morally, but for whatever reason, Ruth comes from Moab. And therefore, there's this real interesting uh, decision by Hashem to weave within the fabric of the world uh, the the source of Melech HaMashiach through Ruth the Moabite, um, who whose first, uh, you know, whose great-great-grandmother um, brought her into the world, so to speak, via the incest with Lot. But it's, it's, it's wild to think about the fact that the line of David HaMelech and Mashiach, you know, comes from, comes from this act of incest as a result of the escape from Sodom. Um, and, and, and the idea behind it is, is that um, Mashiach, the idea of a Mashiach, the idea of somebody who can, who can literally motivate and liberate the world from its, uh, from its animalistic behavior, needs to be somebody who can deal with people on the lowest level as well as people on the highest level. And in order to be able to, uh, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk, you've got to, you've got to have a sensitivity to everybody in creation, as uh, ironic as it sounds. And therefore, you have to have a, you have to have a, a core of Mashiach's personality coming from even Sodom, which is how Lot, with his older daughter, Moab, Ruth, David Amelech, Mashiach. That's how all of history encapsulated in one, in one line. And, um, and as a result of this, this is why um, Mashiach is, in a sense, uh, in incorporates the lowest of the low as well as the highest of the high. That's how he's going to be able to reach and talk the talk uh, in the days to come, even with people that are really, really wicked. Um, so this is the nature of this comment over here, that the, the, the line of history is going to culminate in the Mashiach, who can be traced back to Lot's older daughter. Now, it's interesting this, that... Um, when we uh, when we come to think about this line of Lot, you know why did Lot even merit this concept of having root within his uh, line? So we actually can focus back on on an episode which is also in the midrash. The midrash tells us about Avram Avinu being uh, handed in to the authorities Nimrod for his monotheistic beliefs, which he 
you know, he basically challenged the the thinkers of the time um, against their idol worship, and he was arrested and uh, almost executed. So he was thrown into this furnace, and he emerged alive. Now, standing on the sidelines was Abram's family, who were also arrested. And one of them was Haran, Abram's brother Haran. They asked him, are you with Abraham or are you not? And he, according to the simple reading of the Midrash, he said, look, in his mind, he said, look, I'm going to hedge my bets. Let's see what happens to Avram. If he, if he emerges from the fire, then okay, he, I'm going to side with him. And if not, then I'll, I'll say I'm not with him. Anyway, they grabbed Haran after Avram Avinu, uh, you know, survived. They threw Haran into the furnace and he died. Now, the simple interpretation of the Midrash is that's the price you pay for hedging your bets. However, the Khatam Sofer has a very insightful comment. And he says, no, you give too little credit to Haran. Ha Haran knew from the word go, Avram Avinu was right. He, was, he, he knew. He, monotheism is the, is, is the truth. The problem is, is that he knew also about himself that he was not nearly as righteous a monotheist uh, he was not nearly worthy of such miracles as his brother Avram Avinu was. And therefore he knew that if he would side with Avram Avinu, even though he was, you know, he believed that Avram was right, he would not be spared, um, you know, this, uh, this, this trial of being thrown into the fire. And so the Samsofer says that Haran actually sacrificed his life by knowing that he wouldn't be worthy of salvation and was thrown into the furnace um, and, and died there. And because Haran, you know, gave his life for monotheism, so Akosh Baruch Hu's got to now protect the neshama of Haran. And Haran's neshama gives birth to Lot and Sarai. And now it's, it's no mistake that Avram and Sarah marry because Sarai, the, the female line, is is um is fueled with the spiritual greatness of Haran's self-sacrifice. And therefore, all the ladies that come into, into our Jewish nation as matriarchs of the people, they all come through this line. You know, you've got the you know, Lot and Sarai, um, whose name becomes Sarah, you know, all of a sudden you have Betuel and Rivka, you know, you have Rachel and Leah. Those are all the matriarchs from, from Haran's line. And they join with Avram Avinu, creating these Shiduchim, which eventually, you know, give, uh, give birth to the Jewish people. So Lot is, is sort of part of this. He's sort of got this, he's got a certain spiritual DNA from his father. But, you know, he doesn't, he's not deserved nearly as much as um, others in his family are. But he's got a certain merit. And part of this is um, that through Lot, there's going to be an investment in the nature of uh, the Jewish people specifically and uh, culminating in, in Melech HaMashiach. Now, here's something interesting. When we, um, when we consider what the Gomorrah told us, the Gomorrah said there were three angels. Each of them had their own task. One angel doubled up on a, on a second task. As far as the Gomorrah is concerned, Michael is the one who doubled up. Now, we wanted to know, says Rafisha, why Michael? He's there to give Sarah the news that she's going to have a child. 
what's that got anything to do with the fact that we were going to save we were going to save a lot so yeah something amazing this is a beautiful insight by uh by Fisher. he says like this he says you know michael is referred by chazal um as sar israel the angel of am israel now all all nations have a certain representative angel and we are normally supposed to be above angels but we have michael is kind of it's not that um you know all other nations are under an angel in the sense that they are dealt with by hashem through the angel and whatever comes from hashem is filtered through the the sar through the angel but michael as the angel of amisrael it's he doesn't fulfill the role of of a of a link between benesha and hashem but he actually works for us it's a very kind of interesting relationship and so yeah michael is charged by hashem to come along and give over the news that yitzhak will be born but he didn't just come along and and give the news over what, what does that mean give the news we've got a problem we, we've got a serious problem avram Kornev, avram avram and sarah together you know can't have children sarah can't have children avram avinu we see can but sarah can't have children now when we say can't have children it's not that she she you know it was bad muzzle she physically did not that she, she her body was empty of all um the, all of the plumbing needed she was she had no uterus she, she 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 was empty of all the plumbing to have her children she was physically unable so you need an absolute miracle to rework sarah's body from the inside so when michael comes along and he's charged with giving the good news to to sarah it's not just what it means giving the good news is more than that by saying over to her that hashem has now blessed you with a child it means that your body is going to internally change it's a kind of a you know it's a, it's a trigger of a miracle over here it's the the, the statement the, the saying it over triggers the actual miracle in sarah's physical body um and this is what and this is what the malach michael had to do perform this miracle and and you know cure sarah from the inside in order for to recreate her so to speak so she could have she could have a child and so here what you see is that michael actually is the person or the being should we say who who actually puts together all the the physical bits and pieces gets sarah's plumbing working so that she can actually have yitzchak he brings yitzchak into being that's what that's what michael's uh job is now when he brings yitzchak into being so to speak um he's creating the jewish people he's he's creating the continuity of jewish history if avram and sarah would die without a successor that's the end so what michael is actually doing is he's actually vouchsafing jewish history by creating a successor in 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 yitzchak but says Rav fisher brilliantly but that's not enough that's not enough yitzchak's not enough you need yitzchak needs a wife where's the wife going to come from where, where you know whose line is 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 the rifka going to come from well it's going to come from the line of lot 
So we need to save Lot, not because of Lot. We need to save Lot because Lot is going to be part of Jewish history. And therefore, saving Lot is an exercise related to saving the future destiny of the people of Israel. And that clearly falls within the jurisdiction of Michael Sar Israel. So how does Michael, Michael is charged by Hashem. The words are used to give, to give over the news that you'll have a child, Sarah. But the real mission is create the continuity and the destiny of the Jewish people. That's your job, says Hashem to Michael. And therefore, when Michael comes, now you understand that telling Sarah she's going to have a child and saving Lot is exactly, they are two sides of the same coin. Lot has to be saved because he holds within him the female side of Klal Israel. And without the Rivka, Yitzchak is nowhere. And without Yitzchak, Rivka is nowhere. So Michael is the one who comes along to vouchsafe the future of Am Israel. And that's why saving Lot and telling Sarah of the news about Yitzchak are part, two sides of the very, very same coin. And that's how we understand the Gomorrah the Gemara's opinion as to why Michael was the angel chosen to double up on uh, on the task, and um, and now we appreciate through this beautiful insight of Rav Shlomo Fisher as to how this actually how the mechanics of all of this works. Why Michael was the one to do to do both, whereas the Rabbonim in the Midrash felt that uh, Raphael was the one to do both. Either way, the what not we we don't know who's right, but the two perspectives are amazing. This one a bit more. Uh, mysterious than the than the other, harder to find the connection. But once you find the connection, it sings amazingly well. Anyway, that was the insight I wanted to uh, share with you. That uh, Hashem started the matrix of Am Yisrael so early in the piece, and uh, unusual characters are brought into into our world because of what they're going to contribute. And eventually, the you know Jewish history culminates in the coming of Mashiach. Who needs to be born, so to speak, of uh, of these uh, spiritual forces to be able to heal everybody that comes uh, under under his under his wing, even Lot and the people of Sodom. Okay, so we'll leave it there, and uh, hope you are all well. Have a great week, and uh, I'll see you uh, at another Shiur or Shabbos. Thank you, Thank you so much. Brilliant. Wow. Okay, hope you wow. <laughs> we can say wow. Well done, Rabbi. You <laughs> are yeah, amazing. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing such insight. No <laughs> worries, no worries. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi. You. Thanks so much. Okay. All the best, everyone. All the best. Yeah. Rabbi. Everyone. Bye. 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 Yes.